This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Cents, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Wee Boon. There's a saying that goes, health is wealth. And with the backdrop of the pandemic in the past two years, it seems that health awareness among general Malaysians have somewhat increased. But what's increased is also the cost of healthcare over the past decade or so. According to the health news portal Code Blue, out-of-pocket healthcare spending in Malaysia has more than tripled from 7.14 billion ringgit in 2006 to 23.15 billion ringgit in 2020, with 43% of it in 2019 going to outpatient services. And this is pre-pandemic levels. So for a World Health Day special, we'll be diving into the cost of healthcare in Malaysia and how it affects you. And one of my guests today is Azro Mohamad Khalib, the CEO for the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy, an independent public policy research and advocacy organisation focusing on health in Malaysia. Good morning, Azro, and, and welcome to the show. Uh, let's start off. Uh, can you help me kind of like understand how, how much has healthcare costs increased uh, for the average Malaysians in the past few years? Well, Sim, that could actually take all day. <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, you know, Malaysia has seen a, a rise in medical inflation in recent years. Uh, while other countries have seen single-digit increases, Malaysia actually has seen uh, double-digit gross medical inflation. 15.3% in 2018, 16.1% in 2019, and 14% in 2020. It was estimated that in 2021, it was 16.2%. Now, when you consider that against the general inflation rate of around two to three percent, you know you get an idea that what we have going on here is is rather worrying. And as you mentioned just now, you know out-of-pocket payments are also steadily on the increase. It's actually almost forty percent of of medical expenditure. Now, there's a number of reasons why these increases are happening. Uh, firstly, we are actually living in a crisis of non-communicable diseases uh, long before. COVID-19, um, such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and cancer. Uh, the 2019 National Heart Mobility Survey uh, found that at least 6 million people are living with, with diagnosed or undiagnosed diabetes, and more than 50% of the population are overweight or obese. So the more complex the NCD, the higher the cost of treatment. Secondly, we have an increasingly aging population. 15% of the population are expected to be above the age of 60 by 2030, that we I think, around 23.5% by 2050. So the utilization of healthcare services increases, and aging not just leads to higher vulnerability to diseases, but also to higher instances of comorbidities. And thirdly, uh, all of this has implications, of course, to the demand of, of better healthcare. People want better medicines and the latest therapies, improved and innovative diagnostic equipment, and the same kind of treatment you can get in high-income countries such as in Singapore. So advances in our understanding of disease and the costs of new procedures, diagnostic equipment, and new and better medicines are major drivers, medical costs, inflation. So all of this, all of this here costs money. And unfortunately, it hasn't been helped by the depreciation of the ringgit against major currencies. I just want to say here, taking advantage of the show, before you feel like going after your doctor with uh, pitchforks and tortures, you know, uh, the government actually regulates doctors' fees and surgical fees under the 13th schedule of private healthcare facilities and services uh, order of 2013. So there's actually a ceiling to what can be charged by pr your private healthcare professional or doctor. But 
the main cost that we're seeing in the total bill that comes out in the private sector is actually coming from something called hospital supplies and services, HSS, and this covers things like laboratory and imaging, medicine, nursing, other miscellaneous stuff, including, you know, your room stay and so forth. And that makes up around 70% of the bill cost for non-skill treatments and 59% for surgical treatment. So that's where a lot of the increases are seeing. So essentially what we're seeing in, in Malaysia right now is really a worrying situation where the cost of healthcare is slowly increasing with all these combined factors contributing to it. Where can the listener find out how much is the ceiling fee? Is it available, published uh, publicly in, a, in the government website? So the good news is, is that the, the schedule uh, for doctor's fees and surgical fees are actually available. You can actually see them uh, as part of a legal document uh, on the Ministry of Health's website or uh, even the uh, Attorney General's uh, Chamber's website of legislation. So, you know, the fees are essentially fixed. They cannot charge more than what is listed there. Okay, um, how um, accessible is healthcare in Malaysia, especially from a public to a uh, private perspective? Malaysia, Sim, is one of the few fortunate countries which has already achieved universal health coverage. You know, while other countries are actually aspiring or talking about reaching that target, under the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, Malaysia arguably achieved it since the mid-80s. Uh, deepening that coverage is actually the objective these days, as it is quite thin in some places like uh, parts of Sabah, Sarawak and Pahang. So on the face of it, as we know, the cost to the patient accessing public health care is certainly much less compared to the private sector, right? Now, procedures such as appendectomy to remove your appendix could cost thousands in a private hospital, but a few hundred in a government hospital. Now, if you're the patient or her or his family, that will definitely sound good to you. But the reality here is healthcare is not cheap and it certainly does not cost one ringgit, which is what is charged, uh, one ringgit or five ringgit, which is charged in the public healthcare system. Now, users of the public healthcare uh, facilities are usually shielded from the real cost of health by almost 98% subsidization from taxpayer funds you tend to see it or appreciate more when you look at the private sector. Let's give some examples to illustrate a better folk picture for our listeners. Cancer, right, which is one of the top mm. uh, killers in Malaysia. In fact, according to uh, WHO, you know, cancer incidences in Malaysia is expected to double by 2040. Comparing public and private, how expensive is it to treat cancer in Malaysia? Well, you know, if you look at the common cancers, right, you have uh, breast cancer uh, followed by colorectal cancer, lung cancer, nasopharyngeal cancer, and liver cancer. So how expensive the cost of treatment of cancer depends on which cancer you uh, have, what stage has, has it been diagnosed, where you are getting treated, and whether you have health insurance. So the later the diagnosis or presentation of disease, such as at stage three and four, the treatment options become a bit more complex and more expensive due to the targeted and immunotherapy options needed. So the problem here is that more than 70% of cancer cases in Malaysia are diagnosed late. So getting treated in, in, in public healthcare facilities for cancer is definitely less expensive compared to the private hospitals. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, you're going to have to wait to get treated or even diagnose. The diagnosis itself could be weeks or even months. And the problem in the public healthcare system is that treatment options can be limited uh, and it will depend on how much budget that the government has for cancer treatment. And when it comes to cancer, very often time is of the essence because you can actually, uh, uh, your stage could shift 
while you're waiting for the diagnosis and you want to be able uh, to uh, treat cancer as quickly as possible. And this is why uh, one of the things that, that we look at is, you know, having health insurance uh, ensures that you're able to access the other half of the Malaysian healthcare system for cancer treatment and not just don't depend on the government services. So when you look in terms of uh, lifetime costs for cancer, how much can you expect to pay for cancer treatment? And the reality here is based on a metastatic breast cancer patient who actually mapped out her uh, treatment uh, journey, it actually costs around quarter of a million uh, ringgit in terms of being able to ensure that you have access to targeted immunotherapy for advanced breast cancer. So you have to have that amount of money to be able to uh, effectively treat your cancer within possibly a 10-year period. You know, this is where uh, when you talk about prevention uh, for cancer, it's really about early detection of cancer more than anything else because the earlier you detect cancer, the less expensive it is to treat. So you have chemotherapy, you have radiotherapy options and so forth, which are more effective at the early stages. I want to talk about the next top killer in Malaysia, which is cardiovascular disease, right? You know, and again, prevention is key. Healthy diet, exercise is essential. But tied to that, we have an issue with rising obesity and, you know, the yeah. other, other external factors that increase the risk of someone getting cardiovascular disease, right? So um, just to kind of like, again, illustrate to our listeners, uh, how does cardiovascular disease impact one's wallet as you know can is this something again like somewhat uh, similar to cancer where you can go get early screenings to see if you're at risk or is it a situation where it really happens to you you can't predict it well you know uh, cardiovascular diseases are the uh, are the leading causes of death in Malaysia I mean when we look at the National Health Mobility Survey of 2019 uh, you know it it identified that 3.4 million people currently live with two major risk factors for uh, cardiovascular disease, and this includes uh, hypertension, diabetes, and high cholesterol. 1.7 million people in Malaysia currently live with three major risk factors. So, you know, when we look at this problem of uh, cardiovascular diseases, we definitely have a, a crisis on our hands here because it has been the leading cause of death in Malaysia for 13 years. And as you say, you know, uh, there are many reasons for this, which are tied to lifestyle factors, but also things like obesity, uh, being overweight and so forth. Um, when you look, and don't forget hypertension, uh, which mm, is yes. uh, very much <laughs> a major uh, issue for Malaysians. Um, you know, when you look at treatments, yeah, uh, treatment for heart disease uh, and even when you're looking at an angiogram or one stent angioplasty in a public hospital, uh, it can cost between 50 to 200 ringgit. The same procedure in a private hospital could be between 15,000 ringgit to 45,000 ringgit. So when you look at a coronary bypass in public hospitals, a major operation, it would cost maybe around 4,000 ringgit. In a private hospital, it could range between 25,000 to 80,000 ringgit. So here, even for cardiovascular disease, you know, your, your choices are going to be determined really by, by what you can afford, but also what kind of protection you have. And I go back to the issue of insurance. Uh, if you have insurance, you're going to be able to get your heart problem addressed fairly quickly. You can get scheduled for surgery 
very, very rapidly. You don't have to necessarily wait in line. You get most of it done. And in, basically, you can be in and out of, of the hospital, uh, you know, uh, depending, of course, the severity of the condition, you know, like a week or so. But if you were uh, waiting in line in the public healthcare system, you know, you could be waiting maybe a couple of weeks uh, for that, that angioplasty and it, you would have to fit in into a list of priorities for that hospital. So we have this dichotomy that we actually have to consider uh, between uh, the uh, convenience of spending less versus uh, spending more but being able to do it rapidly or spending less but doing it later. I've been speaking to Azrul Mohamed Khalid, the CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy, an independent public policy research and advocacy organisation focusing on health in Malaysia. We're going to take a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Simwi Boon and today's topic is healthcare because it's a World Health Day special. Now, earlier in the show, we were going through some of the cost of healthcare here in Malaysia, the kind of options you have as a Malaysian, especially when it comes to seeking healthcare. The cost can be quite substantial depending on the illness, the condition you have. And one of the points made earlier, the importance of healthcare insurance. So with me to discuss this is Derek Tan, the group CEO and a licensed financial advisor for Harveston Financial Group. Uh, welcome to the show, Derek. Okay, Derek. So um, let's uh, start with this first. Uh, when it comes to getting healthcare insurance or health insurance, what are some of the main considerations First thing, uh, I would advise clients or friends to understand what is the main objective of having this insurance. Basically, a health insurance or a medical insurance, the function is to cover the medical expenses caused when we are admitted to the hospital or conduct surgery, irregardless of whether this is a sickness or this is an accidental injury. So this is an area that they have to consider. Then when you buy, you really buy to a medical insurance, first thing you have to consider about the room and board that you would like to. Let's go to example. If yesterday we are forcing, if giving you a choice to enter to the hospital, the, the nurse may ask you, which type of room that you like to, you prefer to stay in if uh, they are available. So whether it's a single bedroom or two-bedded room, this is the most common one. And when after consider this, then the next one that you may come in, in mind is your medical insurance, how much uh, annual limit that you have. Currently, most of the medical plans are come with minimum 1 million and above. Usually, we will suggest that 1 million to 3 million is the most uh, suitable size of annual limit that everyone should have. For new medical insurance nowadays, uh, they will cover until whole life, basically up to age 100. And uh, it comes with no lifetime limit. This is the major uh, consideration that everyone should look into. Let's say uh, I am a, someone, a young person, and I'm going to embark on my personal finance journey. You know, I've, I've got my job and mm. everything, right? Then maybe you can walk us through the step mm. of how you should, um, what insurance you should prioritize. How sh how often should it be reviewed as well? Okay. Um, uh, let, let me let me bring everyone through a, a simple process. When you talk about health insurance, I would like to mention, highlight one thing is, uh, you may want to consider about your health insurance is only cover hospitalization and surgery, which when a person is admitted to the hospital, then the medical insurance will function. You will pay all your hospital bill, surgery bill, right? But if the person for sick, 
and not stay in the hospital. Basically, the medical insurance are not functioning, are not able, are not able to pay out anything. Let me quote an example. Let's say a person, a cancer patient. Cancer is one of the major killers in Malaysia, right? Now, uh, a cancer patient, they will only admit to the hospital when uh, they need to go for treatments. Or sometimes, some of the cancer treatment nowadays is only on outpatient only. All the cancer treatment is covered under your medical insurance or your health insurance. Now, one of the important crucial things is uh, a cancer patient will never, never stay in hospital for long. Most of the time, they may be resting at home. And during the resting at home, after interval of the treatments, they may need to go for a, a long-term medications to maintain. Even if they recover from cancer, they need to maintain, where medical insurance is not covered. Then uh, the next thing is, if cases that where the person are very seriously ill, bedridden, need a person, need a helper to take care, then that is also something, is a financial support that needed for these persons. So with this, one of the uh, insurance that uh, general public should consider is the critical illness. A critical illness coverage or critical illness policy or plan is something that will help them as a financial support to take care of this as well. So the best thing, health insurance plus critical illness, that will come in a very comprehensive cover. So we call that healthcare planning. So this is something that I would suggest the general public should look into. Medical insurance is standardized will cover all the medical bill when we are admitted to hospital and surgery conduct in hospital. But your medications, your long-term uh, uh, care matter, you need a form of financial support. How often should you review your health insurance plans? Then how often should you relook, change, uh, modify, upgrade or downgrade the plans? For review, uh, I would strongly suggest that everyone to look into your insurance plan, especially the medical insurance side and critical units. Uh, in, the, in the interval of every three to five years. Three to five years was quite a good timing. Why? Okay. Because Malaysia is in the uh, situation of a lot of new product is coming in uh, to replace some of the old product. So right. this, is, this is why that we should review and look into. Of course, the review not necessary. You must be up. You need to upgrade. It depends on your individual financial situations and your uh, financial needs. How challenging or time-consuming can it be to make a claim? That okay, all right. For for uh, medical insurance, uh, let me use medical insurance to focus to discuss this topic first. Let me use an, a scenario. Let's say this person uh, uh sick, feel not comfortable. So first thing, what we do, we will consult a GP, a normal doctor first, maybe your family doctor first. Then after the doctor diagnosed, you feel that mm, your situation no good. You better consult specialists. What they do? the GP will refer you to specialists. Then you go to a medical center to visit a specialist to, for further investigations. Or you may, the time you may go more thorough or more deep in-depth uh, investigations such like uh, X-ray, MRI, or CT scan, all these things. Then after that, confirm, okay, you have this problem. So this problem, to take care of this, maybe uh, you will start with some medication to take care first. If medication cannot take care, then or situation are serious, you have to went through, have to go through surgery immediately. Then you have to perform a surgery. So they will set a time to perform surgery. Then when a person uh, went through a surgery, okay, fully recover. Then uh, after two days, two three days observation, you can discharge. But the doctor will still advise you. Okay, you come back every two weeks uh, for a follow up check. 
then until the whole thing complete. Okay, this is the whole treatment of a person. Under a medical insurance, when before you admitted the hospital, the consultation, usually within 60 to 90 days, the consultation called pre-hospitalization consultation expenses due to the same sickness, you are claimable from your medical insurance. But you have to pay then far for claim for pre-hospitalization. During the admission to the hospital, so you will use your medical insurance to admit the hospital, admit to the hospital. So your insurance company will approve your admission. Basically, they will issue a guarantee letter to the uh, hospital or medical center. Then all the bill during your admission, our admission and the surgery expenses will be fully paid by the insurance company. So we don't need to pay anything, right? And, and some of the uh, medical center may need us to pay some small deposit of 150 to 300 ringgit. That is to take care of part of the uh, administration expenses and things like that. So that's only a small token amount. Now, when, uh, when we come back for a follow-up check as doctor uh, advice, then the follow-up check is on outpatient basis. So basically that is also based on reimbursed basis. I mean, we will pay first, then file for claim. That is post-hospitalization. Usually post-hospitalization, nowadays medical insurance is taking care 60 days to 180 days. This is our range. It depends on what plan that you choose. So your pre and post is the only one that we need to pay first. Your admission or your stay in in the hospital, all the expenses will be paid directly from the insurance company. This is the current practice. First of all, claim basis, that's not difficult. Majority of insurance companies are, are quite efficient nowadays for medical insurance. Some insurance companies may even can able allow you to do uh, online submission of claim. Those uh, bills, uh, not more than 300 or not more than 500, you can use their apps to scan the receipt, the official receipt and the invoice. Then you submit to the insurance company. Uh, some of the company able to do within uh, two weeks time, you may get your reimbursement. So this is part of the uh, arrangement for medical insurance. As for critical illness side, it's not, not difficult as well. As long as during your application, both or all the insurance uh, during application, if you have full disclose of your medical history, your medical condition, if the policy is accepted uh, with all these full declarations, usually claim will not be a, a problem. And even a critical illness coverage also, when uh, critical illness, let's say that's the same example, cancer patient. So it's a full-blown cancer that qualified to uh, submit for claim. Then they will have a guide to show you. You get your doctor to fill in your report. You get all the biopsy report, all those uh, during the diagnosis of the sickness and treatment of the sickness to submit. Then the claim will proceed quite fast. Nowadays, uh, almost uh, within three weeks, uh, majority of the claim are able to pay out. Okay, um, another angle to this health insurance discussion is your employer's mm. health insurance for you, right? What mm. are the considerations someone should make when they kind of weigh out like, okay, uh, I, I want to go for something medical related now. Do I go with my employer's health insurance benefits or do I go with my own? Okay, this is a very good question. Basically now, majority of the employer are providing uh, group medical insurance to uh, employee. So mostly, majority of people will think this way when... Uh, I'm really forcing. I'm working with this company with this benefit. Definitely, I claim my company one first. So I keep my personal one for my personal use, especially when I'm retired. So this is uh, the usually common practice. But that's that's okay. Also, you claim the company one. Of course, before you use your company insurance, you have to first check with your HR uh, what benefit that you entitled. For example, the room and board. So how much is the room and board that company have prepared for me? 
So whether I might have enough. So uh, and then the annual limits. Whether the, the annual limit the company uh, provide uh, is it good enough to take care of my treatments or my admission to hospital. So in case that uh, you use the company one, it's not enough. Then the balance you can claim from your personal insurance side. This is the common practice that. And that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. Uh, I've been speaking to Derek Tan, the group CEO and a licensed financial advisor with Harveston Financial Group. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. This has been a special World Health Day episode. Stay healthy, stay safe. We've got the 10am news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9. The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.